Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I've got a question about a roof. Is it possible for just part of the roof to be peeled off and re-shingled only about a 10-foot section and blended in with the other roof rather than having to do the whole roof again? I have a need for an electrical heater for our basement room, and it's only used several times a year. Could you discuss uh, electrical space heaters? My husband and I are hanging a lighting fixture, and we're trying to take the old fixture down. I was wondering if it's safe to cut the wires with scissors on the electrical Electricity is turned off completely to the room that we're working on. Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody. Along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, I'm Jim Britt, and welcome to another edition of Ken the Contractor. Ken is right here every weekend at this time to take your calls and answer questions about your home inside or out. There's a couple different ways that you can be part of the program. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975, or you can email him questions to our website, KenTheContractor.com. Now, our households are constantly in flux, and I don't mean that necessarily regarding those of you living in the household, but I'm talking about the things we need within our house. And when we look at the construction industry as a whole, we see builders and developers and architects and engineers that are constantly paying attention to trends. They are listening to what your needs are, how you live in your home, and the gadgets and bells and whistles that you like to have. But more importantly, they're paying attention to the space in our homes and how we live in that space. And in this current economy, and the current economy that I'm referencing is one that's improving, where we're seeing home sales increase, we're seeing in certain parts of the country home values increase, we are finding more and more people that are wrestling a little bit with a decision now. Is it time to buy a new home? Do I need a new home? Do I need to remodel my current home? Do I need to put an addition on as my family's growing? Am I better off staying where I am? There are so many questions that we are confronted with that sometimes it can be overwhelming to sit down and say, How do I really come to a conclusion of what I should do? What's in my best interest, number one? But secondly, what's in my best interest when I look at the finances as well? Where am I today with cash available, with my ability to borrow money, with current debt? All of those things should be part of your big picture that you're looking at when you make this consideration. Truly, it is a very good time in the marketplace if you have a need for a home. If you're an apartment dweller, you don't own property anywhere, and you're saying, I'm tired of paying rent, and I'm ready to go out and buy a home, it is a great time for you to be doing that because it is still an area in a time when we see very, very low interest rates, when we see credit becoming available to those who can actually pay their bills and have good credit histories and have jobs and so forth. It's all a good thing. So it's a good time for you to be looking at that. For, For many of us that are toying with the fact, I need a little larger house, my kids are growing, uh, or perhaps you just added an addition, uh, a child to your family, or maybe you have an in-law or relative that has come to live with you saying, I need space. Do I go build a new home? Do I go buy a larger existing home, or do I just add on to what I have? And I'm going to help you, I hope, in that decision process as we look at remodeling versus moving. And it's not right for everybody. I will tell you that in both cases, there's going to be a degree of stress. So one really is not easier than the other because you're going to have to jump through all the hoops for financing and design and working with contractors and so forth. But when we take a look at this, first remodeling, I want to tell you, allows you to customize your home to meet your needs, your current needs, and the desires that you have. As technology changes, you want to see more of the bells and whistles many of us do in our home. And the only similar way that we can have these custom features that we may really want to see in our home or the added space or unique space 
uh, to fit our furniture or our lifestyle is going to be to go out in the market and have something designed and built on a custom basis. And that's really your alternative to expanding or renovating your current home. And I will tell you, that is a much more costly alternative to taking what you have and making modifications. Remodeling means that you don't have to give up things, for example, as a neighborhood that you happen to like, schools that you like, walking distances perhaps to your shopping areas. So these are things that may be hard to come by in buying a new home. If you really like where you live, if you like your surroundings, if it's an environment you want to stay in, then maybe this is one of the items you need to check as a plus uh, when you consider remodeling or, a, or adding an addition versus moving. Now, remodeling clearly is a more efficient use of your financial resources, and I think that goes without saying, but to touch on this, to give you just a rule of thumb, according to the American Homeowner Foundation, selling your home and moving typically costs about 8 to 10% of the value of your current home. And much of that goes into moving expenses, closing costs, and broker's commissions. So these are items that really have no impact or direct use for you, saying, I have an extra 10 by 10 addition put out here. You, that's just money out the window. Eight to ten percent. That means if you've got a two hundred thousand dollar valued home and you sell it at two hundred thousand, or you could, it may cost you on average twenty thousand dollars to sell the home, to move, and to go find another location. And that has nothing to do with many of the other aggravations and things you have to deal with in moving. Remodeling, as I said, can be stressful. There's there's no jokes about that. So I'm going to be right up front. But also, custom building a new home can, and that's partly because of all the decisions you have to make and the impact that it has on your family. If you're moving, you may be going to new school districts. Uh, it may mean a change of jobs, a new environment. If you're remodeling, at least you're keeping some of those basics, the foundation there, and you're still coping with the construction decision process and financing. So it's I'm just not going to lead you on to believe that it's real easy. It's fine to do, and it's easy to work with if you have the right builder, but there's always a fair amount of stress associated with either one. While there are so many reasons that people tend to remodel, the bottom line is that remodeling makes your home a more enjoyable place. And I've had customers in my career that have come to me saying, you know, is it worth me spending X amount of money for this particular item? And these, in many cases, are people saying, this is the last home I intend to build. What I'm going to tell you is don't worry about a payback. If you have the money, the financial wherewithal, you like where you live, live in that house so that you're comfortable. Don't live beyond your means, but live so that you're comfortable. And if there are gadgets, appliances, bells, whistles, room additions, styles, ceiling heights, things that really suit you, that make you enjoy that living space, then I'm going to encourage all of you to pursue that. Now, one of the things that you don't want to do, though, when you go into remodeling or putting an addition on is you don't want to become the highest valued home in your marketplace. It's going to make it more difficult for you if you do sell, if you decide you really need to move into something even larger later, you've expanded this house to its maximum, you don't want to be the highest price in the neighborhood. My rule of thumb has always been I want to stay in the mid-price range, whether I'm building new, whether I'm adding on, whether I'm renovating. I want to know that if I'm in a neighborhood where houses vary from 200000 to 300000 I like sitting in that $250,000 range. So do a little bit of homework as well, and it's also going to help you when it comes time to acquire your money for your remodeling. It's not all about resale, but sometimes it's difficult to get money on the high end because of the loan-to-value ratio. So all of these things need to be, need to be thrown in the hopper as you bring all this information down to the bottom line and say, do I build or do I remodel or put an addition on the home? 
but I think you'll make the right decision if you sit and consider these facts. Well, I know you mentioned on one of our recent programs on some of the things that you actually get a return on, uh, and we were surprised a little over a year ago on this show that the doors or front doors uh, gave you a real great return, over a 100% return. That's been diminished, and now one of the things that you don't get a return on, if you are remodeling, to take into account if you're going to resell somewhere down the road is that home office doesn't have the same value. Very, very low, down in the 40% range based on some national averages. So these are items we need to consider on regular maintenance of our house, and maybe you want to consider some of those if you are going to go ahead and add on a remodel and stay put rather than buy something new. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And don't forget, uh, you can email questions to Ken's website, kenthecontractor.com. If you do go to the website, don't forget, you can hear podcasts of recent programs and also take a look at some of the many questions that Ken has answered online over the course of the years at our website, kenthecontractor.com. Friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You see our weekends at this time, taking your calls and answering your questions, the questions that are important to today's homeowner. I'm Joe Britton. If you'd like to join us, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email questions to KenTheContractor.com. It may take Ken and our mailbag editor, Aaron Yoder, a while, but you will eventually get an answer. And Ken pulls out some of the more interesting questions and brings them to the radio for us to discuss each week. And Ken, this is a, an issue that Harold in Hagerstown, Maryland, wrote you about that I think is very interesting because it's something that I looked at years ago when we put an addition onto our house, and that is, do you go out or do you go up? And it's very interesting when you, when you look into it, and more and more people, particularly in large urban areas, are electing to go up, and particularly in some larger buildings. I know some school systems that for years had been one level are now finding themselves landlocked, and they're starting to add on additional floors because, you know what, you can go up just as well as you can go out. Well, in some cases, and Harold's question is really quite timely given that we're in the, the, the middle, I guess, or the, at least the very beginning, not the middle of the construction season up and down the East Coast and through many other parts of the country. And I do want to read the question for those of you. Jim's pretty well defined it, but he says, if you add a room by building up instead of out, is it better for resale value? So that's part of his question. It says, also, if we add a room to the ground floor, it will have to have a separate entrance. Then he goes on to says we would say we would like the windows all around uh, that would come with an upstairs room. So he's got several things that he's kicking around in terms of additional window space that he could have on four walls if he goes up with this addition. He understands that maybe it's a positive or a negative. I'm not sure from the question by having a separate entrance if he extends it outward. And then he's concerned about the resale value. Does one offer a greater potential for him to see a return on that investment than the other? But let's talk first about the options that you have, not everyone has the opportunity to expand a structure outward. In some cases, regardless of your lot size, it depends on your house size, you may not be able to build outward, at least the size that you're looking for, without encroaching on your setbacks. If you're in a platted subdivision, almost all of you have setback criteria that you're going to have to deal with, and it's usually pretty tight meaning that houses are built to sort of fill up the void that's there within a subdivision. That's how the sizes are frequently determined. And they're not going to leave 30, 40, 50 feet on the side yard in most subdivisions where you can put a bedroom addition, a family room addition on. You may be able to extend into the backyard, which is typically where you'd have the greatest space, 
or building before you hit a setback, but not your front yard. So that's important to all of you as you start thinking, do I want to go out or do I want to go up? First, do I even have the available room to go out and meet all of the code and zoning criteria? Secondly, you want to look at how you live in the house and the impact that will have in what would become either a downstairs if you go up or the access point from this extension, this addition to the home. How is that going to impact or influence the interior of my home? Do I have other load-bearing walls to move? Do I have substantial construction or structural issues I have to deal with? So those are, I'm just giving you some quick items that I want you to think about. When we go up, the biggest item we have there is the fact that most homes do not have foundation systems designed to carry all of the additional load. And there, depending on where you live, your live load, your dead load could equate to 100 pounds per square foot of additional loading when you build that additional floor. Now, in some cases, some municipalities, city, counties, states, under the zoning ordinance or the building codes, when the house was built, the footings may be large enough, but an engineer is going to have to evaluate that. If not, you're going to have to transfer that load to load-bearing points, to columns, to pads. That becomes very costly. All of these things can be dealt with. I don't want to discourage you. I'm just saying there are more questions than what Harold's asked here for you to evaluate. You need an engineer. You need an architect. Now, I want to go back to some of the things that he's asked specifically when it comes to resale value, number one, going out versus going up. Because in new construction, building out the square foot, the contact area with the ground is more costly in most markets than going up you will probably see a little more value added by an appraiser at a later date to do so. On a retrofit basis, though, it can actually cost you more to go up than to go out. So if I had the room, I probably would look at expanding out if I could make the the redesign work for me and work for the way my family lived in the house versus going up. And I know, Jim, you said that was something you toyed with years ago. Well, you know, and it is interesting because I've seen someone who did go up and talk to them about it and the big concern that seems to be, from a layman's point of view, is just the overall structural elements, and that is the structural soundness. Uh, but the big issue that we're getting into now, something we talk about on this program quite a bit, universal living, and that is that second floor, which was pretty much standard in home building for many years in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, is just not as desirable today. Well, the reason it is still desirable in some markets, but the reason it is, as I said, is because going up in new construction is cheaper than going out. But on a retrofit, I typically find it's the other way around. But again, it does restrict your access in that home, and it can hinder you on resale for someone saying, I need more of a barrier-free home. Even though you may have a single set of steps up to a floor that's on a crawl space, that's easy to deal with in terms of ramps and some other fairly inexpensive items, but going to a second floor is not. Elevators, chairlifts are costly where you get into the thousands of dollars. So these are all things, Harold, for you and others to think about. Again, I think on resale in most markets, you'd probably find that a little more value could be assigned to that if it's single story versus going up on the second floor. And then you're talking about the windows. Clearly, these are things you have to work out in design with your architect, with your engineer, with your interior designer. And if this is something that's important to you, then I'd suggest to you that you do go back and go up. But you need to put all these things on a piece of paper, as I constantly tell folks. You need to evaluate it when you've got your wish list and then apply dollars to it. And for you, apply a value. Because if you're going to stay in this home for a long period of time, and most of us that would expand, that would spend this kind of money to add on up or out to our home, we're going to be there for a while. That's our plan. 
So build what you need without as much concern for the resale. Now, for those of you saying, I want to put something on, hope it improves my value because we're moving in two years, that's a different story. But if you're going to be there a long time, I wouldn't pay as much attention to resale as I would, how do I want to live in my home and is it worth it to me? That's Harold from Hagerstown, Maryland. Let's go to Cass, West Virginia now with George. And this one deals with some hardscaping outside. All right, George says, what's the correct way to prepare the ground for a brick pathway so that it stays level and even for a long period of time? Well, he goes on, I have to add this because there's some other things. He said, I obviously didn't do it right the first time. All right, George, I appreciate you being honest and candid about that because a lot of us aren't. There are a lot of different ways to do it. You can start out on the very high end, George, as we would do in the commercial world where actually there is a concrete slab poured over compacted ground before brick pavers in many cases are installed on commercial walks because, frankly, of the liability, the maintenance. When you put brick pavers down, you want them to stay there. You've got the general public using them. You don't want people tripping, getting hurt. It's not the same as just doing something on your own for your personal use in your own backyard. Much greater liability. So that's the extreme end, and most of us in our homes are not going to spend that kind of money and go to that extent. What you have from a homeowner standpoint that's pretty practical, one is to properly prepare the ground, meaning remove the topsoil, get to your clay or your compacted base that's at that point, put some crusher-run stone or stone dust in and compact that, get it tight, then come back and put your brick in a form. If you're doing it where you've got grout or sand, there are a lot of different styles. You can put that down, lay it, but be sure that stone is thoroughly compacted. And for some of you that are living in areas where you have very sandy soil, you may actually have to put a stabilization material on top of that, mix even some cement in with the sand to make it much harder. And that would be termed in loosely a soil cement, and then come back with your brick. You can always reach Ken the Contractor at KenTheContractor.com or 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's right here, ready to take your calls, questions, and comments about your home inside or out. Reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And don't forget, you can always email your questions to Ken at KenTheContractor.com. It's getting to be the time of year that we not only pay attention to the outside of our house, but we're looking at our stuff, sometimes just all the things we've accumulated inside and what we do with it. There are a lot of options out there today. Listen to one of the experts. Our next guest is Lou Cuomo. Now, Lou may not be an unfamiliar name to many of you because Lou and I have had the opportunity to conduct interviews over the last uh, couple of IBS shows as well. But he's the vice president of sales for Closet Made, and he joins us today. Lou, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Ken. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, we're glad you could be here. I know you've had a very busy uh, several days, and not unlike many other people out here, you're not just here to talk about your product, but you're here to talk to us some things that you're showcasing, maybe some, some tweaks, some new products, some items that all of us as builders, developers, those of you as consumers need to know about. Yes, we have. We debuted a few new uh, programs to make things a little bit easier for our contractors and our subcontractors and, and ultimately the builder, getting product to the builder in a much more streamlined fashion. Quicker, we're uh, reducing our response time not requiring our, our dealers to inventory as much product as they had in the past. Times have changed, so we're helping them out. And it's called Job at a Time, where we'll take an actual closet design, take the uh, the drawings, and produce a an order 
and ship just what is needed for that particular closet and get it to the subcontractor very quickly so that the subcontractor could take that order and install it. So our uh, design to actual installation is minimized, the time that, that it takes to get the product to the builder and to the end user. And that's what we're trying to do with this uh, new uh, program called Job at a Time. So overall, uh, say I send in a custom order for a whole house, any number of the specialty closet systems that you manufacture, roughly what should I be thinking about from the time the order goes through my contact, my sales rep, to you and then back to me? A couple of weeks. And what's good about it is that normally our dealers would maybe, uh, our intent is maybe they can stock the uh, high volume colors like white or antique and uh, the specialty colors like our cognac and our chocolate pear could be on a job at a time special order. They wouldn't have to inventory all our colors, maybe just a couple of them. Those would be really qu- very quick to install. And then the uh, the other specialty colors maybe uh, would be about a two-week lead time. I'll tell you, two weeks even two to three weeks is a very rapid turnaround time for custom items in this industry. Mm-hmm. So my hat's off to you for figuring out a way to accelerate that and to be responsive to the builders, the installers, the contractors that are out there, and to the consumer needs. Because many times you're pretty far into a house project before the client makes a final decision Correct. on what they're looking Correct. for there. And we're usually the last thing that goes in the house. You're almost the last. And yeah. at that point, you know, they're all getting anxious, yeah, saying we're, cl- close. we're close to a closing yep. date. We're close to our CO date. Exactly. And so we don't want to wait three, four, five, six weeks. So two weeks, my hat's off to you for Thanks. making that happen. Yep. What's it the show this year that involves either some tweaking or modifications mm-hmm. or additional accessories? Because I know since... You have started in this industry 45 years ago. That's a long time. It's a long time. I'm, it's a long time. You have had many chances to constantly come up with new items, listening to consumer needs. What yes. do you have for us? The beauty about ClosetMate is that we can handle pretty much every storage need and every price point. We started out with wire shelving back in 1965. At that time it was called refrigerator shelving. At the time, no one really understood it. It took a while, really. I can yeah. remember that for it to catch yep. on, but when it did, it was like it, a wildfire. wildfire. Yep, and it was out of out of necessity. You know, back in 1965, air conditioning wasn't as dominant as today, and it, and you had musty closets, uh, you had mold and mildew issues because the circulation in the closet was not happening. So, wire shelving provides that ventilation. Now we we have the wire shelving. We have many different types of wire shelving. Probably the most vast line of of wire and different uh, options in wire. But then we also could take and do a custom laminate program called Master Suite, and we can handle the high-end custom closets as well. So we take you from a standard shelf and rod wire closet all the way up to a Master Suite closet. One of the things I noticed at your exhibit yesterday, and as a builder, of course, I'm familiar with this, but is the amount of flexibility that Closet Made has brought into our storage. Several things are happening. One, and I talk to my listeners about this constantly, use your cubic space. Go vertical. Don't just live on the, in the square footage that exactly. you have. And we all know we need to stay flexible as you're raising a family. The kids grow. They leave. Mm-hmm. Now you want to use the space differently. And yep. you're catering to all of that. Yep. It's an adjustable system like with our shelf track. Uh, you could adjust your shelving based on the, uh, the needs of that consumer. If it's a children's closet, we could do shelf track and do triple hang and get the most out of that space. And as the child grows, it could adapt to uh, the needs that, uh, that of that uh, individual and, until, they, until they leave the house and it becomes an empty nester. 
all kinds of flexibility. These components <clears throat> can be interchanged and moved from one closet to the Remember. next as your bedroom use or your storage area may change as well. It, the flexibility that we didn't see years ago is here today. It exactly. lets us live in our home and stay in our home and be more comfortable with and satisfy our needs. Now, something else has become really big in the mm-hmm. last few years. That's green building. Yes. So many things at the IBS is about green. Mm-hmm. You're not without being into the green industry as well. Tell us a right. little about that. Well, the wire shelving, oddly enough, is uh, made out of uh, recycled steel. It is a green-friendly product. Chances are it was uh, a, a product that was used for something else uh, in the past. Could have been an old, uh, an auto, and a car hood, or whatever. So it could have been a Studebaker yeah, some people exactly, were driving around years exactly. ago. So it's being used again, and it can be reused again after that, if there need be. But it is out of recycled, and our builders can get actual points, lead points, for using wire shelving. And so it is a green product, and we've got SCS uh, to certify the product. We went through a substantial audit in our factory. We have gotten certification. And uh, we're in the midst of uh, renewing that certification, too. Everybody, everybody's paying attention to the, yep. to, to the green side, even commercial world, looking at LEED certification, the points on residential and commercial. So that's great for all of us to know. Now, Lou, how can listeners get in touch with an authorized dealer in their area? How do they find one if they're just not sure? The best way to do it is to go on uh, our website. That would be www.closetmade.com. And there's all our information is there. Uh, they just uh, enter their, their zip code and uh, you'll get a list of dealers. Another way is you can call our uh, our consumer line. You can uh, contact us there, and uh, we'll be able to help you and refer you to a dealer. Or call me. Lou is ready to give you information. He's ready to help you out with whatever your needs happen to be. And I do have to say this. The closet-made product is as flexible as you're going to find when it comes to storage systems. They're proven. They're a leader industry. They were the first in the industry. I have been using these products for a few decades. All I can say is... My hat's off to you for all the flexibility, the way that you're trying to cater to the end user, which is you, the homeowner. Not only do you find the flexibility, but these are items that you don't have to have a general contractor for. So, again, you can go through Closet Made, you can go through their dealer network, and you can have these systems installed by a professional. And in some cases, those of you that are avid do-it-yourselfers, and we talk about this over and over again, you can buy the product, install it as you have time on a weekend, and live in your home so that you enjoy the space. Lou, I want to thank you for joining us thank today. You. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You know, the systems that Lou and I talk about on a regular basis makes things so flexible for us in our homes. As our families grow, as our needs change, we can modify not only that walk-in closet in the bedroom, but our pantry, our linen closets, even the garage storage. And I remind you always, let's use our vertical space. Let's don't just use that floor space because we bought it all. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's a Class A licensed contractor who's designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects as well as single family homes. He's here to help you with dealing with issues around your home. 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you'd like to reach him with a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975, 800-614-2975, or you can email a question to Ken at our website, kenthecontractor.com. Time now for this week's edition of In the News as Ken keeps you up to date on all the things that are hot and happening, as we like to say. It is absolutely official. The Boston Design Center has recently released the new home decor trends for 2013 for all of you sitting on the edge of your chair just waiting for this information. When I read a little bit of this to you, you're going to say, maybe I've been there before. 
Well, according to the Boston Design Center and their survey across the country, stripes, blues, yellows will be popular in 2013. Some of you are saying, well, that's okay, and others maybe not so hot. What they're seeing, though, is that after about five years with a depressed economy, is that people are starting to look at spending a little bit of money and says they're ready for a change in style and decor. Now, the Boston Design Center's yearly trend report, which was recently released, sifts through, their people do, hundreds of new products that arrive in the center's 82 showrooms to identify changing taste and trends in interior design. They've got 550,000 square feet, folks, in this hub of interior design and architecture. And this is where you always want to know where these trends come from. This is where the professionals, the architects, the interior designers, the architects start making selections, whether it's furniture, fabrics, paint, floor covering, ceiling textures, you name it, it comes from this particular location. So they're tracking these trends from these professionals across the country because, after all, they're catering to what you're asking them to do. So people that are looking not only for new homes but also for to renovate those homes are finding that these styles and colors will assist them in making it a little more personal as we move into 2013. A couple of things that in addition to that that you see in the shifting taste it will be an apparent variety in the trends, such as what they're calling punchy patterns and 1940s Hollywood noir styles. So some of you might remember those. Pretty soon, I'd expect the Art Deco will be back. So here's a little sample of what you're going to find. Some of the patterns are talking about animal prints become big again in both fabrics and draperies. You may even see some in your floor covering. Florals are also will be big in 2013. Stripes and then the colors. We talked a moment ago about blues. There's a big shift in trending colors from 2012 to 13. The big color was green in 2012. 2013 says it's blue. So if you're a green person, you may want to hang in there with last year's color. Also says that there are trends in using some of these now as the neutrals rather and getting away from the beiges and whites and so forth forth that have typically been the neutral. So if you're really into style and you want to know what's going on, 2013 may be your year. And the reason why you should take this with uh, maybe a little more importance, this is people laying out cash money, as we used to like to say, and bringing this stuff in. If they guess wrong, they got to eat a lot of this stuff. And you can't make too many sandwiches or casseroles out of a lot of this material. Not out of a couch. No. It's hard. It, it, it is. So, I mean, they're fairly precise when they go through and, and try to estimate this stuff. They do a lot of market research. They take a look at trends and a lot of other things. That's exactly what they've done. And that's the reason they can release this in advance, because now they are manufacturing the products, the furniture, the flooring, the paints, and so forth. They are ready for the 2013 buying frenzy, if you will, as designers and architects specify these products, because you're asking for this kind of change. Very good. All right, let's uh, knock off a couple emails here from the website, KenTheContractor.com. Don't forget, if you're a little shy don't want to be on the radio with Ken, uh, all you need to do is just tap out that email and forward it to our website, KenTheContractor.com. We do mention all the emails that get forwarded to the website do get a response. Ken will bring back some of the more interesting ones for us to talk about right here on the radio. Well, as the seasons change, we deal with air conditioning and we deal with heating, and this one happens to be dealing with fireplaces. And Casey writes this one that some of you may have experienced an issue. He says, we just started up our LP gas fireplace for the first time this year. It's about 12 years old and has always worked well. I had trouble getting it to light, and now it will not stay on pilot very long. I was able to get a full flame for a few minutes, but then that went out. All the wires and the gas piping look okay to me. Do you have any ideas on the problem? 
We rely on this as a winter heat source in our family room especially, and I hate to be without it. And I'm not in a position to buy a new one. Casey, you've laid everything out for me there. What I want to tell you and others that have, uh, L, whether it's LP or natural gas fireplaces, but let's say the gas fireplace, I'll use that as a generic term, is that there are so many safety switches and devices on these that do need some maintenance periodically. One big item happens to be an oxygen sensor that's inside it. Not a very expensive item, but if it's not picking up the right balance, the right levels of oxygen, if there's too much uh, too gas content in the air, all of those things, it's going to shut this unit down. It may come on momentarily and then shut off. Some of you have experienced this with your automobiles that have oxygen sensors and air pollution sensors that are in them, that you may get uh, engine warning lights on your dashboard. In this case, you won't get an engine warning light or fireplace warning light. It's just going to stop working. They're also, for those of you that have, and Casey, this may not be your case, but you have uh, starters where you push a button on them. They're not electric starters. They're little, what's called a piezo switch, and those will go bad. They need to be serviced or replaced periodically. But mostly it's going to be the sensors, the safety features that will shut gas off if something's not working correctly that have a tendency to need adjusting or go bad and need to be replaced within these units. So don't fret. You don't need a brand-new unit. I'm reasonably sure of that with knowing what you're telling me here. I think what you need is a surface call by the professional that maintains gas appliances. And in most states, the gas company that provides your LP gas or your natural gas provider has a service crew that will come out and service your gas fireplace or your gas heat unit. So give them a call. Shouldn't cost you a bundle of money and stay warm during the cold months. These gas fireplaces becoming more and more popular for folks who just don't want to deal with the old traditional elements of the fireplace. I, I know it's this great rustic uh, setting that a lot of people like, but between hauling in wood, keeping it clean, dealing with a lot of that stuff, a lot of folks really don't want to fool with that. The other thing is the convenience. You know, it's not that easy to just stick a fireplace in, uh, whereas with a lot of these elements and also with the professional installation that you were referring to, very easy to put a fireplace in a spot where maybe years ago you would have said, well, we just can't either afford it or we can't afford to get it in that space. You can take a small at-home office, a bedroom, someplace you typically would not think of and install a gas fireplace. There are types that are non-vented. You don't want to use those as primary heat, but then there are direct vent that go through the wall, and there are the more traditional types that run through the roof with a flue vent in that case. They're used for different purposes, different heating levels. So if you're looking to buy one of these, you want to investigate it and see what's right for the particular room that you're putting it in and the way you live in that room and how often you intend to have it on. But they're becoming so common, and especially for the men, we love our remote controls. You push the button and it's on. You push the button and it's off. The other thing that we're seeing nationwide is that it reduces air pollution. We know that because we don't have, we're not burning wood, if you will, and so it is reducing the impact of, of having the smoke and all the other elements discharged through our chimneys. But for many of us out there, there's still just something about that burning fire and that wood, and you'll never move to a gas fireplace. But if a gas fireplace is right for you, they are very safe today. I've had people tell me, I'm afraid of gas. I don't want anything gas around the house. It's next to impossible, would be the way I would sum it up, knowing the safety features in these, to have a real problem if you use a gas fireplace the way it's designed. Well, you know, I was going through the uh, the Lancaster, York area in Pennsylvania a couple of weeks ago and saw something very rare for me, and that is a home with what appeared to be four different chimneys. And it, I, you didn't realize, but that was the primary heating source. Obviously, a much older home uh, years ago, but you just don't see homes constructed like that. Very rare to even see a home built that has more than one chimney. 
And with those four chimneys, they may well have had eight fireplaces or fire boxes where they were using a common flue from first floor to second floor. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. You know, if you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975 or at the website, KenTheContractor.com. For Ken the Contractor, I'm Joe Britt. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor.